Welcome to Entrepreneur Conundrum with Virginia Purnell, where growing entrepreneurs share how they get visible online. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm talking with Matthew Brackett about how he helps global leaders safeguard their priorities and commitments so they can lead better, love better, and live better. Matthew has 30-plus years of experience in the field of education and the development of individuals in personal and professional leadership. Thriving in cross-cultural organizations and environments, trilingual, Matthew has enjoyed broad international and intercultural experience in leadership, education, and consulting roles in Italy, Ireland, England, Colombia, Chile, and Mexico, as well as having been a special staff officer and chaplain in the United States Navy, serving both with sailors and Marines. Thanks to these experiences, Matthew has gained extensive knowledge and insights into working with diverse communities and leaders worldwide. He was fortunate to complete specialized graduate degrees in spiritual theology and human development from universities in Rome, Italy, specialized studies in counseling, family, and education at Los Andes University in Chile, and a master's degree in the psychology of leadership from Pennsylvania State University. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you very much. Thank you, Virginia, for the opportunity to be on your podcast. You're welcome. It'll be fun to have you today. (laughs) So how did you get to where you are today? That was quite (laughs) a mouthful. You had (laughs) It sounds like you've had quite the life experiences to draw on. (laughs) Yes, I consider myself at this point very fortunate. Um, So how did I get to where... um, I grew up small town New England, the tenth of thirteen children, and at a, at an early age, I wanted to do something meaningful. And sometimes I wonder, did I want to do something meaningful, or, or did I just want to get away from small town New England and figure <laughs> and find meaning along the way? So, anyways, that's what happened. I, I joined seminary. I went into formal religious ministry. I was ordained a priest in two thousand two. So I was really in this in that environment for really thirty years in total. Um which was brought me to so many different countries, as you as you read about. And, and then also into military service as a chaplain in the Navy. So many fascinating experiences. So that's and that's where I come from. You you said it all, really. I don't I need to fill in any of the gaps. Now there's I mean in my story, there's a lot of there's a lot more to the story of how I got <laughs> to where I'm at now. But when we talk about transition in life, because obviously I've transitioned from a formal religious ministry to what I do now in leadership coaching, mentorship, education and advisement or consulting in sometimes in transition is usually caused by pain or it's caused by a dream um i think pain had more prevalence in, in my in getting me to where i'm at but there was also a dream there's always been a dream to make a difference and i am very passionate and in love with the human person and so that's why um that's what has inspired me to do what I do and to continue to do what I do. Just it, it's, it's taken on different forms. But I have I'm fascinated by the beautiful complexity of the human person and very interested in supporting each person as they navigate that beautiful complexity of what we call life and trying to figure things out. Which in the end, we're all, that's what we're all trying to do. We fumble our way through life trying to make but the funny thing is, we, we try to make it look good in the process, and that's and that's also understandable. Um, but also allowing people to deal with well, the fact is we're human beings, and we have we have challenges along the way, in being able to own them. 
So that's, um, I don't know if I've answered your question, but that's inspired me to do what I do. That's how I got to where I am in the, the brief version. So how did you end up starting your own business? I started, I wanted to continue to serve people. And and so it just made sense for me that leaving, you know, a very formal setting around service, I, I wanted to find a way to continue to do that. And I really didn't want to fall under um, other organizations or structures. Mm-hmm. I've been part of very strong structures <laughs> over the last 30 <laughs> And I, I grew up in it as well, right? And my own family was an organization, right? With 13 kids. But then, I, you know, whether it be the Catholic Church, whether it be religious orders inside the Catholic Church, you know, groups, whether it be the military, the Department of Defense, all that. so I'm, I navigate complex organizations very well. But at the same time, I, I think I got a, a bit burnt out by them. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do something on my own. I'm not resistant to if if it doesn't you know if things don't work out that I I'll 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 have some I can definitely find another type of job but I want to give this this an opportunity and chance and because I love the diversity of what I do I'm working across cultures across boundaries across borders with all types of people and doing there's the individual coaching and then there's the speaking and education and it's it's fascinating I love the diverse element of, of what I can do that's fun. So who would you say is your ideal avatar? Really, it's it's what you said at the beginning. It's, it's a global, person-centered global leader mm-hmm. who does not want to sacrifice their priorities and commitments at the altar of success and who want to lead better, love better, and live better, and, uh, and eventually die better. But I include love, but when people talk about leadership, they're afraid to bring in love. So that's that's just that's something that sets me apart. Because love is something very important in the human being. And it's not only as as romantic, but but leadership is love. And love is not a soft word. And love also means holding people accountable, also means having difficult conversations and dealing with problems, but always from that place of love. Mm-hmm. You know, and then love also has to do then with our personal lives. So in those inner circles, whether it be personal, professional, we I want I work with people who want to have a positive influence in those inner circles. And we know that leadership, in a general, it's it's a neutral term. Right? It doesn't mean either positive or negative, because we've seen effective leadership that's very destructive and negative, and we've seen effective leadership that's very positive. When I speak of leadership, I speak from the aspect of positive influence, because most people, that's what they want. They want to be a positive influence in there with themselves, first and foremost, because we first lead ourselves. We lead those around us in our inner circles, whether it be personal and professional. And then oftentimes we lead inside of organizational contexts. So that's and that's the avatar. That's sort of the person that I, I, aim, to, I aim to serve. How do you get in front of them? I really, through, first through references. Personal references is always the best way, and that's what I found the most effective. And because if there's always then there's confidence that's already built there. And my some of my services are rather exclusive, so that's really how they they would work. They're not generally mainstream. Now my speaking and, and other things those would be more mainstream, but the individual coaching. So it's really through references and 
That's it. That's that's how I get in front of people. And network. I'm a big networker and connector. So I leverage my relationships um, with not that I leverage them in, in the proper way, where if people think that I if they trust me, then they will recommend my services. Mm-hmm. And generally, it's really about that. It's about how do I serve, not how do I sell? Yeah, totally changes the way it's received. Yes. Yes, and um, in my space, there's a lot of great marketers and salespeople. <laughs> they don't necessarily offer great quality services, but they're very good at selling. Yes. So do you use like LinkedIn and other forms of social media then? I do, yes. So LinkedIn, Facebook, I'm in this, I'm beginning a, a very strategic social media um, strategy with TikTok, with Instagram, with LinkedIn, with Facebook, more to promote the whole side of, of, of speaking and education. Okay. Right. And I might, so there might come other work from that, but that's the, it's more about being a thought leader and content creator. So it's a great way so, for people to know, like, and trust you too, right? Right. Yes. And now that's where, that's where people look. If, if people are going to invite you to speak, they're, they're going to look at all of those things to see who you are, what you do, how you how you express, what your thoughts are, what the content is. So, yes. With the people that you've worked with, is there kind of like the same overarching, I don't want to say it in a bad way, but like, let's say issue or thing that they bring when they come and see you? Yes. There are, and I, I'll, I might go on a little bit here to also bring some data into the conversation because this is fascinating. I also do couples work. Okay. And so, and that's also where I just lead because we lead in those, not that in a couple's relationship, not that one leads the other, but you, they influence each other. Mm-hmm. And if they have children, they influence the children. And we always want that influence to be positive. So some of the common things is, um, what I would call impatient decision making. As you, we don't like to sit in pain and discomfort, right? And so oftentimes we make decisions from a place of impulse, negativity, or bitterness. And then when someone looks back on that years down the road, like, or months down the road, like, I probably could have done better. But it's hard. It's hard. It's very natural that we would make decisions in those moments. Because I talked about, you know, in transition, that pain or dream, pain can be one of those things that lead to transitions. But but when it's impulsive, it's generally not always the the healthiest decision. So impatient decision-making, decision-making made from a place of impulse, negativity, or bitterness, you know, anger. Another thing is not listening to understand. And I don't mean just in romantic relationships, but also in leadership anywhere. The ability to listen, and I'll get into that in a second. So the ability really to have better conversations, whether it be in the inner circles or whether it be in the professional space. Better conversations. And this has been, I think, a challenge for human beings ever since the beginning of our existence. And four elements for better conversations is the ability to listen to understand. As we know, sometimes when we listen, we're listening to respond. And we're not always listening to understand. And what happens, whether it be in 
people want to be under, we want to be seen, we want to be valued, we want, want to be understood. And that has, it's very important that that happen in conversations. And then another part of better conversations is to ask thoughtful questions. Some people might say powerful questions. They don't need to be powerful, but they need to be thoughtful or insightful. And then a third element of better conversations is support and sometimes the challenge. Support and challenge. And with that, also we also want to clarify whatever we might not be um, understanding, the way it's meant to be understood. And then another part of better conversations is establishing what's what are our next steps with clarity. What are the expectations? What are the next steps? And what are our accountability mechanisms? How are we going to know that we're that we're doing this? So everything around just communication, right, and the ability to listen to others. And and with this is putting a common thing is we put off difficult or uncomfortable conversations whether it be in the professional space or in the personal space. And I had a recent experience where or I was in a relationship and I had to, to break up and it took me a long time to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that person and that was not a loving thing to do, to, to wait. Because it was... It was all on me that I, I just, it was, I just, these things that I created in my mind around fears or how am I going to make that person feel? And I don't want to do that and all that. And in the end, it just, it, it causes more damage. And when it, when we're in a place of love and in leadership, it's so often in people in leadership roles, they, they, they have, a, you know, when we have to hold people accountable, when we have to have those performance review conversations, those are those are fundamental to growth, but oftentimes people don't know how to have them. Mm-hmm. And if we go back to romantic relationships, if, if I love my spouse, my partner, whoever it is, I love them. Then how is how how loving is it that we're not dealing with you know the big elephant in the room or whatever is you know we just kind of let it all build up. And. So the whole thing about putting off difficult or uncomfortable conversations is a common pattern. Another one is lack of self-awareness. I probably should have started with this because this is something that I speak about often. Is lack um, Self-awareness is, in my view, is the greatest asset, leadership asset. The lack of self-awareness is the greatest leadership liability. And it has to do with all the other things we've already talked about. Because when we're not self-aware, we then we make all these mistakes along the way. Now, the difficulty with self-awareness is that someone, we all think we're self-aware. <laughs> right? And so that's where we kind of can be very dishonest with ourselves. You know, that's where sometimes input, feedback, 360 assessments and surveys can be very helpful to, to help us with our blind spots. Not that all that information that we're going to get is necessarily true, but it's but it's it speaks of how we're perceived, and and that's always very helpful. So when I talk about self awareness, you know, in leadership, and that's why what I do, leadership development coaching, is any relationship is a way to grow in our self awareness because we're able to see ourselves. That's how human beings grow. That's how we function. That's how we get to know ourselves. I get to know myself through you. 
because in, in the end, we're mysteries to ourselves. And other people are also mysteries. So, so there's an aspect of mystery, but how do we unveil or uncover the mystery? And so coaching is one of those things. It's proven to help people grow in their self-awareness because you slow down. And I do this on, you know, on, on all my coaching sessions, people like, this is so amazing because I have to slow down and I have to notice my surroundings and I have to notice what's going on inside of me. And so that's what that session forces someone to do, to pay attention to things that otherwise they wouldn't pay attention to. And in that, it increases their ability to make better decisions. It increases their ability, their leadership ability. I'll throw a few numbers out there. 75% of global leaders have said that leadership development, it improves bottom line. It attracts, develops, and retains better quality talent. It drives strategy execution. It increases success in navigating change. Because leadership development, it helps us to grow in our awareness. And when there's greater awareness, we do all of these things better. 85% of companies that have strategic leadership development are able to respond rapidly and well to change. Change is hard for us as human beings. But when there's greater self-awareness, we can respond better to change in any aspect of our life. And so this is where leadership and coaching is so nice. And, and what I do, there's a very there's an element of life and leadership coaching. It's depending on how you want to look. I meet people at that intersection between the personal and professional. Because in my view, they're very, they're very related. And I, I leverage all of my experience of working with, with human beings. But um, you know, in some I work with some company now, Unilever, AstraZeneca, you know, where they've been through significant changes of they've changed so many structures, elements of structure. And but they've given their people access, a lot of their leaders access to coaching. And, and I see this on a regular basis where they're able to just, you know, and then they they're just so thankful. And it's not that I did anything. I facilitate a process of helping them find the answers inside of them. And sometimes I, you know, I have a few parentheses moments where I offer some education or some insights, or this is what I'm hearing. You know, what do you think? But they, you know, and this for those who had never had this experience, they're like, this is this is life changing, and this is leadership changing for me. And because when when we're in leadership roles, we also think if I got to this place, then I I don't need anything or anybody. So that's also another thing. Um, and to, I'll conclude with that as an answer to your question. That other thing is that to think that we don't need anybody to be able to be better. But the fact is, is this what we're doing here and what we do in coaching sessions or any other thing is the through speaking is how I process as a human being. When I'm just when I get all stuck up in my head, I'm going to get in my way. But when I'm able to transform emotions or thoughts, concepts into words, I take ownership of them and it becomes more real to me and I'm able to hear myself. And in that, I start to find the answers. But we need someone to be able to do that, to do that with. And someone who's obviously who's trustworthy and who in, in my in my market or in where it be the therapeutic market is people that are that are good at what they do. Right? And not everyone is, but hopefully <laughs> the people that are good at what they do and that you're on safe, sacred ground where you can talk about things that are of most intimate and most important to you. So those would be some of my answers to that question. Thank you. <laughs> what are some big goals that you're looking to achieve the next couple of years? 
next couple of years, I really, I want to influence really the senior people in senior roles, whether it be in the corporate world, whether it be in the nonprofit, even in the faith-based world, the political and the political world. And to have a big influence on people that have that have strong roles. And that that's that would be my dream and sort of what I'm aiming for. Because yep. I I get it, I'm passionate about making a difference about and I think as I as I look at the corporate world or as I look at leadership or as I look at politics, that we are we get so much in our own way. And and leadership is about serving. And if we let's go to public service, you know, and then politics, people are there to serve the common good, not to serve political parties or just other interests or their donors. We are there to serve our people. Or at least that's why they got started. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so, yes, I would love to influence people in all of those circles. How would that affect your business? Oh, hopefully, hopefully it would be very good for my business. That <laughs> <laughs> it would get me, give me a lot of traction and influence, and really, that's what I want to do. And it's again, it's not obviously I want to be financially stable, but I see my money as a tool. It's not an end. Um, but through through serving better, I will be compensated for that. So I, it would be great for the business because I want to get more visibility and to be able to just play on the on the bigger stage to be able to to make a, a better difference. Fun. What do you think is the number one roadblock that's stopping you from doing that? Some of the road, I, I don't know if like, I can say and name a few. <laughs> Something is, is not knowing. I know that sounds very obvious. Sometimes we think we know. Right, and so, and this goes back to self-aware, but self-awareness, but not knowing. So, uh, having a curious mind is so important. I've seen that as an asset in me, but sometimes I sort of, you know, the cognitive bias, right? I get said, nah, we make assumptions that something's not going to work, or I don't need to do this. So I get in my own way. That fear is another thing that gets in gets in my way. And then, you know, in, in coaching, we talk about GALE, which is it's an acronym for Gremlins, Assumptions, Interpretations, and Limiting Beliefs. And I think a lot of your audience can, can relate to one of those. And those are sort of, we all deal with some of those obstacles, whether it be the voices in our head, whether it be the assumptions that we make that end up getting in the way, how we interpret things, our beliefs about ourselves. Where, and I, there's a, I think because of what I've been through in life, and we didn't share my story, but it's built an aspect of me which is a bit cynical. And that gets in the way. Do you have any tips for self-leadership during our entrepreneurial journey? Like overcoming some of those limiting beliefs? Yes. I think what we've been talking about is having someone a third party that was neutral that's really just has my best my growth in and in, in mind and in their best interest to have someone that i can lean on now the difficult thing in entrepreneurship especially if you're beginning is you don't have a lot of financial liquidity to be able to invest in these things so that can be a challenge 
But there's a lot of networking groups, there's a lot of different groups that you can become part of so that you can learn and so that you can grow and that you can listen to yourself and the people can give you feedback. So to have that, whether it be an individual or a group of individuals, I think that's I think that's very important. The other thing is, um, well, I'll leave it at that. Thank you. What's the best advice that you've ever been given? Best advice. I would say what, and there's a few things, but one is when my dad, when I was making this decision to step away from Catholic priestly ministry, it was, I struggled for years with this decision. My dad was a man of very few words. And one time he just, it's very funny, typical of him. He muted the tel- the television because I was just sitting on the other side of the room. And he said, if your heart's not in it, then don't do it. And he went back to watching TV. So <laughs> <laughs> But that, that meant a lot. I kind of wish there was a longer conversation there. But that, it sort of gave me permission, at least from that, the family level, to also to not be afraid to make the decisions I needed to make. There's that. And then I remember part of this process was also, it was someone who worked with me in, in what we call a process. It's sort of the cycle of shame, but also the cycle of victimhood. And, a lot of us never want to own that we've been victims of something. And it's not about sitting in that, but it's about owning. So it's like naming, and I love the process. Naming, claiming, blaming, and reframing. So naming whatever I went through, claiming claiming it, and then claiming maybe what's, what's on me, but then blaming, placing the blame where it needs to be. And in some cases, it's on institutions, organizations, other people. And then reframing. Could it be on my my self? Exactly. Or on myself, right? And that's sort of the claiming, blaming. And then just reframing my life around this this new way of of seeing this. So it's really owning owning our truths, but in a very constructive way. So that was another powerful moment in my life. I think something to remember, too, is that having gone through those doesn't necessarily, well, it doesn't define who you are, right? No. It adds to who you are as a person, an individual, but it doesn't define you. Right. But that's how, you know, how we deal with pain is so important for us as human beings. And it goes back to maybe one of the first questions you asked about the common problems, making decision-making from a place of pain. But how we deal with it is so important so that we don't allow ourselves to be defined by a painful moment. And it's and they're very some of them are very they reach the deepest parts of our humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, in certain types of abuse, tragedy, it's hard. So it we can never say, you know, I'm not a big fan at all of the phrase that everything happens for a reason. Because there's a lot of things that don't happen for a reason. But our ability as human beings is to find reason to keep going. And to make and to try to transform something into meaning, and that's sort of what what you, to your point of what you're saying to not allow something just to define me, and to stay stuck in that moment. Mm-hmm. But yes, to integrate it, this is part of my life, is part of who I am. That's why I like to talk very openly about my past because it's part of who I am. 
a lot of people that take make decisions and do the things that I've done of transition. Some people just close the door and <laughs> pretend that <laughs> that uh, chapter of life never happened. For me, I'm I'm just very fortunate with the own, my own personal process that I and I like to talk about it because it's part of who I am. So talking about like that transition aspect, what do you think comes with the transition of being an entrepreneur? But I have great admiration for not entrepreneurs. I still have not. I still don't know if I am an entrepreneur at heart. Right? <laughs> but I, it requires so much courage, so much energy, huge dreams, right? And um, and a lot of drive, a lot of drive, and passion for what they do. That they will obstacles because obstacles show up every day, and you keep going. And then you have these people that just do so many entrepreneurial initiatives. They just start so many things. So I, my utmost admiration always for everyone that does this. Yeah, but transition, I think, and it goes back to why do people transition? I, some people are just sort of born entrepreneurs. They start at a very young age, right? Because of their creativity, their intelligence, they're, they're not afraid of, of risk or they're, they're very calculated in their risks and, and wise. And they're able to pick themselves up when things don't work. Is just a lot of they're very resilient spirit right? entrepreneurs, and not everyone has that level of resilience. And, but sometimes people switch to entrepreneurship because of pain, or because they have a dream that's just bigger than what they're doing. Mm-hmm. True. What would be like the best advice that someone has given to you? No, sorry, we already did that one. The best advice, yes, your dad. (laughs) What's the best (laughs) advice you have given to someone? You know, I I, (laughs) sounds like a cop out, but you would have to talk to people that have given advice to (laughs) because you never know how it lands with someone because everything, every type of advice, or it lands differently. But I, what I can say about this, Virginia, is is that people when they felt seen and understood. Yeah. And I think that's oftentimes more powerful than any advice. Is when someone felt that you had time for them, that they were the only one that existed in the world at that moment, that you saw them, you valued them, you tried to understand, even though we can't always understand exactly what someone's going through, but they felt understood. And they felt this empathy that you were sitting with them. And I think it's big to remember that like I can sit here and have a conversation with you and understand you, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to agree with everything or try to change my viewpoint, Mm -hmm. but like I can still sit here and we can have a great conversation and I can be in that moment in our conversation and be there, let's say for you without necessarily having to agree with everything. Does that make sense with what I'm saying? Oh, definitely. Yes. I mean, if that's, you know, if people are in a relationship where they're listening to someone and that's their level of listening is to see if I agree or not, why can't we go back to what we talked about, the ability to listen? Mm -hmm. Um, And my my service in in ministry and in the military was – was so helpful in this area 
because I ministered to, I know where I worked with like 5,000 sailors and Marines, so, and I was the chaplain. So you minister to everyone. And it's not about if I agree or it's, it's about caring for each individual. And mm-hmm. really, I'm just saying that uh, to your point. In, you know, just you know, from faith areas or from just other aspects of, yeah, I, I mean, I would maybe think differently, but that's not what the conversation is about. The conversation is about my job and what I love to do is I, I want to care for this person. And my and I meet them where they're at. And I think, and that's that, that's the beauty of I think of listening to people is we want to meet them where they're at, not want them to be where we think they should be. Especially when we come from, let's say, a leadership position. So whether it's like with our children. I don't really want to say leadership over our spouse, but like in our. Well, how we influence. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't always have to be to have them be what you want them to be. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. It goes back to, you know, being able to understand. And it's hard in a lot of relationships, whether it be in in corporate, you know, in professional or personal spaces, we, we want people to be a certain way. Now, sometimes there's, you know, there's certain structures, professional structures that you have to be a certain thing, right? certain <laughs> guidelines. But then there's other things where, and, and it go back to spousal relationships. And we sometimes want our spouse to be different. But in the end, that's not really what love is about. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's being able to see them and love them for who they are. Of course, in that dynamic, we, we both want to grow in the process. And that relationship helps. I mean, healthy romantic relationships helps each person be better. And that's a beautiful thing. But we, but once you feel like you, the person, either your boss or whoever it is, you feel like they want to change you, then resistance starts and then we don't feel understood and seen and valued and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, Matthew, I've appreciated you being with us today. Hopefully, dinners as well. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? We've touched. I think we've touched on such meaningful topics. And so, now just I would like to emphasize the importance of self-awareness. And as human beings, we can be afraid of going into that area whether it be silence or whether it be reflection or whether it be mindfulness meditation, whether it be having talking, talking to someone in that intimate space. Uh, we can have a lot of fear around that. I did. Even though I did that for many other people, I had a lot of fear. But that was my path to, to freedom and so many answers and to so much light and growth. And if that's what you want, well, then invest in ways to become more aware of yourself so where can we find out more about you and what you do you can find me on linkedin at matthew bracket instagram matthew bracket alliance and facebook as well and then on my website bracketalliance.com. awesome well thank you again matthew virginia thank you for the opportunity to share the microphone with you and with your people for sure have a great day and we'll keep in touch yes thank you Thank you so much for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and leave some love through a review. And I'll catch you on the next episode.